This is Sci-Fi Talk Weekly for November 30th, 2023. This is episode 77. As always, I look around the internet for news on sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics. And this airs on Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Here are this week's headlines. Percy Jackson trailer reaction. Avatar 3 news. If there was a Twilight reboot. And casting for Superman Legacy. Deadline reports that the new Percy Jackson trailer has gathered 84.3 million views and ranked number two on X, YouTube, and TikTok as well. Walter Scobell is the new Percy. Percy Jackson author Rick Reardon was closely involved with the series showrunners John Steinberg and Dan Schatz. It will start on December 20th and run for eight episodes on Disney+. There is more of Sci-Fi Talk Weekly by episode 77, so stay tuned. Deadline also reports that James Cameron expects Avatar 3 to be released Christmas 2025, as the two-year post-production process is now underway. Cameron says he will make all of his films in New Zealand going forward and will become a citizen in 2024. He admits that scenes from Avatar 3 and 4 were also shot so the cast does not age out. If there was a Twilight reboot, who would play Edward and Bella? According to director Catherine Hardwick, it would be Jacob Elordi and Jenny Ortega. She said, he's amazing. He probably would be Edward today, said Edward Lordy, according to Deadline. I do think there's a lot of cool young actors, Hardwick said. You just mentioned Jenny Ortega. She's amazing. Variety has news of the expanding cast of Superman Legacy, adding Skylar DeSondo as Jimmy Olsen and Sarah Sampio as Eve Teschmacher. You've seen DeSondo in The Righteous Gemstones and Licorice Pizza. Miss Sampio is a Portuguese model. Do you think we'll hear the, the phrase made famous, Miss Teschmacher, as we heard in the, in the first film? Variety has a story on the boys' spinoff in Mexico. Amazon is developing a Spanish-only spinoff. Gareth Dunier Alacoser is writing it, and he also wrote Blue Beetle. Eric Kripke would executive produce, along with Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and James Weaver of Point Grey Pictures. Diego Luna and Gaye Garcia Bernal would also serve as executive producers. More on this to come. Deadline reports that the ballad is singing at the box office. The Hunger Games Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes met the 100 million threshold in the U.S. and worldwide for a 200 million total. And Variety reports that director Brent Ryan Green has optioned the film and TV rights to the King Raven trilogy. The story shows Robin Hood in the late 11th century with the Norman invasion of Wales. It looks to offer a plausible retelling of the Robin Hood story. Green said, It's been more than 15 years since I first read Hood, the first installment of the King Raven trilogy. And the desire to adapt this incredible work for the screen has always been with me. The series impacted me in a way few books have. It's Lord of the Rings meets Game of Thrones, with the heart of C.S. Lewis. 
I'm looking forward to finally building out the team that can bring this epic story to life. Here are some Doctor Who at 60 Mysteries that Russell T. Davies might tackle according to Screen Rant. There's some spoilers here, so beware. The first is the Timeless Child storyline set in motion by Chris Shibnall. Secondly, the Star Beast makes a big deal with the Meep and the Doctor. That's about as far as I want to go, but there is much more at Screen Rant. TV Line explains Monarch Legacy of Monsters has special effects supervisor Sean Conrad on the new monster. The Muto, which he describes as a star-nosed mole, crossed with a pangolin. I mean, I love our ice monster that's in episode 3 and 4, Conrad said, citing his favorite CGI creation. This one is really interesting. Sometimes the scripts have vague directions about what the Muto should look like. But in this case, we wanted it to be an arctic creature, and in the script, there was really a clear direction of a star-nosed mole crossed with a pangolin. So what is a pangolin? Conrad explains, It's a really cute mammalian creature that lives in Asia. It's got an armor plating over its body. If you get close up, it's really beautiful almost lacquerish material that grows out of its body, and then it's got little hairs that are used as many whiskers. There's more at TV Line. Monarch Legacy of Monsters airs on Apple TV+. Screen Rant looks back at Edward Norton's The Hulk. Writer Kevin Erdman makes the point that the movie treated The Hulk right by maintaining a more intense and intimidating portrayal, unlike the later movies, where the character became more humorous. Erdman continues, The Incredible Hulk is a lot better and definitely worth the rewatch, starring Edward Norton in that titular role. It's easy to forget about the MCU's second ever release. Although it has flaws, the debut of the Hulk came with the dynamic themes that have since been missing in the current MCU era. And the film itself has been improved by the more recent and upcoming Marvel projects as well. There is more of this at Screen Rant. And Game Rant explains the gods of Baldur's Gate. As Shania Josie writes, Understanding the gods is vital to understanding the story, and when creating an original character to explore, Faerun, knowing what gods exist and their role in the lore, plays a vital part in understanding the player character's perspective in it, which is all the more important. If they're a cleric in Baldur's Gate 3, clerics rely on their patron to grant them their magic, and worship of them is crucial to keep the connection open. The choice of God to worship can influence dialogue choices outside of combat and can provide insight into situations that other characters would miss. Let's look at two of the deities. Selun, that's the goddess of the moon. Look for her with a large role in Act 2 of Baldur's Gate 3 and in Shadowheart's story. Bahamut is the dragon god of justice, and not to mention brother to the evil goddess Tiananmen. More at Gamerant. Here is my list for this week, and it was provided by fan-sided ranking all 13 Star Trek movies. Here's a few with my impressions of them. Star Trek V The Final Frontier probably the weakest entry in the series, and it literally made me angry as I left the theater. 
because I realized that these actors might not have a lot of time to complete these films. The themes were grand, but the way they were executed fell very short. My cringe-worthy line is recited by Captain Kirk, aren't you God? And row, row, row your boat? Really? Oh. Star Trek Insurrection, like five, had a great story premise written by Michael Piller. The execution was okay, but it looked like an overblown TV episode. But it was nice to see Picard of more of a romantic hero, and the action was good. But after first contact, it was a letdown. Star Trek The Motion Picture, the first of the movie series, had the stars being the special effects. Too many scenes of the crew looking at the view screen to see what we were seeing, but obviously they didn't see that when they filmed it. Plus, rehash of classic episode The Changeling. The bummer about this movie was that Gene Roddenberry lost creative control of any of the further movies, and that's a big shame. However, there was Star Trek The Next Generation. Star Trek Nemesis had an intriguing premise as well. A clone of Picard on Romulus played wonderfully by Tom Hardy. The downer was there were way too many scenes where Picard and Shinzon that Hardy played verbally sparred. There was some really good action sequence, and one on the bridge in particular was really cool. But it looked like they were just sandwiched in. Thank God for Picard, Season 3. Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. That was a result of Leonard Nimoy wanting to come back after Spock died in Star Trek II. So he pitched acting in very few scenes and also directing the movie. Powers of B agreed. This movie was very important because it was not the emphasis on the Enterprise, but the camaraderie of the crew. Moving story on friendship and loyalty. There is more on the list, some of it I agree, some of it I don't agree, at fan sighting. We lost a real legend at Marty Croft. He passed away as a result of kidney failure, as reported by Variety. Many of us have grown up or watched our younger siblings grow up watching Land of the Lost and H.R. Puffin stuff, just to name a few. Along with his brother Sid, they were masters of using low budgets to their maximum potential. They also produced Sigmund and the Sea Monsters and Electro Woman and Dina Girl as well. A Saturday morning legend for sure. Reading this invokes some very fond memories. What a giant. Sci-Fi Talk Plus is a great podcasting gift, not only for yourself, but also for friends and family, with over 800 episodes commercial-free, uncut, and even special programs. Best part about it, it's totally free for a lifetime. Just click on the link in the show notes for that free lifetime access. And this is Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, episode 77 for November 30th, 2023. Back next week, happy holidays. This is Tony Talano.